Amen. How are y'all doing today? It's a great day to be here and thank you for allowing me the opportunity to, to present. So if we look at, they asked me to share a little bit about how I decided to come to Antioch and uh, I'd love to sometime, I'll tell you the full story, but in the year 2000, I went to a church planting conference in Waco, Texas with Michael Miner and Ray Evans and we went there and we said, yes, this is what we want in College Station. And so came to kind of realize that that was not going to happen and wasn't even a possibility in the church that we were in. So I began to pray, God, please bring a church like Antioch to College Station. And Acts 2 church, that was my goal. I I believe that Acts 2 is the way that we ought to live as the body of Christ. And that the best way to send people throughout the world is through church planting churches that plant churches that come out of a local church. So today, as I look from this wall to this wall, man, it is the sign that God was able to, from nothing, bring something really special. And so you all are just a testimony to how special God is in so many ways. I'd like to start out just showing a picture of my family. Whoop! Aren't they beautiful? My goodness. And so just starting, there's the, one of the... Uh, patriarchs of our family. That's Grandma Pickard, Grandma Margaret, and then my wife, Linda, and myself, and then John, who is the, the groom, and Joy Allen. We have any Allens here? Yeah, whoop. Yeah, aren't we blessed? We're a family. The Allens and the Hales, and that's a big family right there, as you can tell. And then just see my other uh, Danny up in the top, and then Anna in the back, and then Anna and her two children, and three grandchildren. I am such a blessed man in so many different ways. And God is so good. And so we want to talk about God's blessings today. If you remember what we've been talking about for the last um, several weeks is being enthralled. Enthralled with the Word of God, but ultimately that means enthralled with the God himself, the true living God. And that's what the goal is. And that's what we're gonna talk about today in this Psalm that we're gonna start with, and that's Psalms 40. And I'm gonna go through a few verses before that, but just kind of open up your Bibles now to Psalm 40 and plant your hand there and we'll get there eventually. But I wanna give a little bit of background before we do that. Um, If you remember what Kalen talked about last week, he talked about what enthralled meant. And he talked about it as being captured, fascinated attention of something. Our captured, fascinated attention to something or of something. And so one of the questions we're going to ask by the end of the day is, what are you enthralled with? And who are you enthralled with? Is it the true living God? All right, so why is that important? Well, first of all, what does enthrallment look like? And Jesus is our greatest example in Matthew 22 verses 37 through 40. He talked about the two greatest commandments. And that first one is total enthrallment. That first one is love God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength, with every part, it might say with every part of your being, every part of you love God. And the second comes out of that. And that is love your neighbor as yourself. That's the overflow of loving God is loving others. And so that's the first thing of what it looks like to be enthralled. So why is that important? Well, why did God in the, if you look at the 10 commandments, why are the first two commandments aimed at our relationship with God? If you remember in Exodus 20, 
verse 4. These are the Ten Commandments that God gave to Moses. The first one in verse 3 says, You shall have no other gods before me. Second one, you shall not make for yourself a carved image or a likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is on the earth beneath and that is in the waters under the earth. So why did God make this the first commandment? Because he knew that if we did not put him first, we would put something else first in our life. It says, put no other gods beside me. And so it, that is our nature. If we are not enthralled with him, if we are not putting him first and thinking of him every day of our lives, think about that. What are we going to be thinking about? What are we enthralled? What are we consumed with? And I really love the, you know, when you come here and do praise and worship, we had wonderful praise and worship today, just like we always do. Their goal, the goal of that is twofold. Number one is, is for us to proclaim to God. Yep. Number two is it for us to remind ourselves. Often in the morning, I'll get up and I might get on my knees and because I, I want to be subject to God. And I say, God, you are king. That, that is almost a ridiculous thing to say. Okay, I'm not going to ever make God king, am I? God is king, whether I realize it or not. I want to remind myself that God is king. And now I'm subject to you. And the rest of the day, I want to live out my life that way. And that's what this music is that we talk about when we do praise and worship. We're actually speaking to God, but we're also reminding ourselves of what God is telling us and who he is and why we should be enthralled with him. All right. As we start to talk about the, uh, chapter 40 in the book of Psalms, there are two pillars, and we're going to talk about this, about hard times. How do you go through hard times in your life? What are those anchors that you should have in your life? And there's two what I call pillars to that. And I always want to remind myself anytime I come up against a really hard thing. And the first one of those is in Romans 8, 28, verses 29. And all of us almost always quote when there's a hard time, Romans 28. So let's read Romans 28. And it says, And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. So we'll say, oh, God's going to bring good out of this. But what is God's good? That's in 29. So let's read what God's good is. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn of many brothers. So I tell people all the time, I know what God's will is for your life. And you say, well, how can you do that? Well, it's easy because this is God's will for your life, regardless of what happens. His ultimate goal for you is to be conformed to the image of his son. So when I have a hard time and God is not necessarily answering my prayer like I want him to. Okay. It's because ultimately I have to bring myself to the knowledge that God is moving me to become more like Jesus every single day. My prayer for you today is that when you came in, you'll look more like Jesus when you leave. All right. That's the first pillar to be conformed, to be transformed. I would say that if you're being conformed to Jesus, to his image, that means something else. You're being deformed, right? Okay, you're being deformed from what? The things of the world. And that's what Romans 12, just a little, little later on, 12, 1, says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, 
by the mercies of God to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. And we'll get back to a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that by testing you may discern what the will of God is. That will is we're going to come back to over and over. What is the will of God? Well, the will of God is that I look more like Jesus every day. That's the pillar number one. Pillar number two that I always rest on when I talk about and when I have hard times is that I know that God's ultimate purpose in my life is to be like Jesus, but he also is the one that provides me rest. It talks about that in Matthew eleven twenty eight verses 29. He provides me rest. So I'm conformed to the image of Christ, but he is the one that ultimately gives me rest. He's the one that gives me peace in my life. So when I have a difficult situation, I'm not having a lot of peace, am I? I'm fretting, I'm worrying. Ultimately, I have to stand up, take a breath and say, God, I don't understand this, but I am going to trust you. I'm going to rest in you. And in that verse in 28, it says, come to me. Isn't that wonderful? We can come to Jesus. All who are labored and heavy laden, I will give you rest. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. And I am gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest in your soul. When you're yoked to Jesus, you're actually now side by side. You're carrying it. He's the one that's carrying the weight. He's the one, whatever, you can give that over to him. I'm walking now side by side with Jesus. If you've made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, I can tell you, you can rest in him. So rest in him. The other good news is that there's not only a rest in this world, but there's a re- ultimate rest. If you want to read Hebrews 4 and, and uh, Revelations 21, I don't only have a rest here today, but I will have ultimate rest, even if I die, and all of us will die. It's not a real popular thing to say in church, but all of us, regardless of what happens, we're going to ultimately pass from this earth, and if we're in Christ Jesus, into an eternity, a tremendous rest. I encourage you to read Revelations 21. I encourage you to think about that we ultimately have a rest beyond what we see here. So I can do that, conform to the image of Christ and know that when I have a hard time, he will give me that peace that goes beyond understanding. And he ultimately, regardless of how it works out, I'm gonna pray one way, but I know that ultimately he is my ultimate rest. All right, with that in mind, I wanna tell you a little story about what has transpired in my life over the last two years. And my beautiful wife, Linda, is down here I am such a blessed man. She is definitely, uh, we are one and we are working together to try to move through this world as a family unit, one flesh. You know, we have those issues where it's not always wonderful, right? But in reality, we ultimately know that that's our goal. And so as we look at that, it was on August the 28th and I got a call from Linda, a call that we it wasn't the first time I have had a call like this from Linda. We've had other things that have transpired in our lives. But in this one, it was a call that telling me that she had gotten some results from a doctor. Earlier on August 21st, she had had found, they had found a, an enlarged lymph node under her arm. And they took a biopsy of that. And on August 28th, they called and they said, we have the results and you have cancer cells under your arm. That changed my world. That changed her world, if you can imagine. 
And as we are looking at that, we're thinking, oh, Lord, what are you doing here? I had to think. Ultimately, my prayer is, although I really wasn't saying this at the time, but as you stand back here, God, you actually have made me more, look more like Jesus as a result of this. And you actually, I do see where we actually entered into your rest. And ultimately, we knew that there would be an ultimate rest regardless of the outcome. Well, as, you know, the next few weeks with tests and diagnostics, we found out that she had breast cancer, stage three breast cancer, and that she was going to have to go through 20 weeks of chemotherapy, some pretty hard stuff. And then she's going to have to have surgery, and then she's going to have to, at that point, go through six weeks of uh, radiation. Interesting is right in the middle of that, what happened between 2019 and now. There was a kind of an extra layer of difficulty that was thrown on to that, that whole mess. And as you all have struggled through, I'm sure there's been times in your life during, since COVID started, right, that you've had these ups and downs and wondering, what are you doing, Lord? What's going on? How do I handle this? Ultimately, coming back to those two pillars, okay, I'm going to be conformed like Jesus when it's all said and done. And I'm going to rest in you, Lord, and trust you through this process. All right. So with that, let's talk a little bit about Psalms 40. So when we look at Psalms 40, it is a mix between basically all the different Psalms that you're going to find in the Bible. There's 150 Psalms. And Psalms 40 is kind of planted here. I might point out that when I selected this, it wasn't because... Of, of Linda. It was actually, I had heard a sermon from a guy named Don Carson. He's the founder of the Gospel Coalition. And he had talked about, I was studying Old Testament and how, how New Testament uses Old Testament. That was the main thing. I was doing his great, great, great uh, teaching that he did. I thought, well, I could just talk about this. And then I said, you know, also as I read Psalms 40, it has praise, it has lament, it has wisdom. It has prophecy and it has prayer all wrapped up, all the elements in those 150 psalms. And then coincidentally, I looked at, Linda reads a daily, a yearly Bible. And so we looked at the yearly Bibles. Every year she reads through it, the entire Bible, in one year using this. That's her way of doing it. I don't necessarily do it that way. Praise God for her that she's definitely more systematic than I am. Okay, but what, guess what we found out when we were looking at what was going on in 2019, what she was reading, okay, between August 21st and August 28th, guess what? She was reading Psalms 37 to Psalms 42. She probably doesn't know this, but the other thing she was reading is the book of Job at the same time. So God was preparing her. I, I believe that. God was preparing her. And so as we read this, let's think about while she's reading and she's waiting for some results and she's wondering what those results are going to be and in her life. And as, you know, I asked her just last week, okay, I said, what, you know, what is reading your daily Bible? How does that, how do you think that impacted uh, how you handled the last two years? And she says, that is what grounded me. If I, if I hadn't been doing that, I don't know where I'd be. If I had not been grounding myself in the word of God and remembering that I need to be enthralled with him, that he is a God that we can trust. All right, so Psalms 40. And just remember, when we talk about Psalms 40, one thing as Christians, a lot of times we just kind of hunt and peck. But remember that this is a five book, five, five books that were put together sometime after the exiles returned to Jerusalem. And so this 37 to 42, 
They're, they're, those were put together for a reason. They're a series. They're all written by David. Most of the first book, with a few exceptions, there's a few anonymous one, but most of the ones in the first book are written by David, all put together, all but I think four of them. And so at least they're attributed to him. And as you read through this, what, what's happened is, is in 37, if we looked at that, you'd see that uh, he is ultimately realizing that he needs to trust God and that he is waiting patiently. Didn't really get an answer. He's waiting patiently. In 38 and 39, it talks about his personal sin and being covered up with that. And it talks about 39, just about, you know, just evils of the world that are coming against him. And here we are in 40. And so those are a string that were put together for a reason. So remember that. Don't just hunt and peck. You might kind of look through and see what was the psalm before that and what was the psalm after that as you go through. So in Psalms 40, it reads and start, it starts in the first verse. Remember 37 says, I'm waiting. And here he says, I waited patiently for the Lord. Now waited patiently is really translated waited and waited, waited perseveringly. In our generation, in, in my generation, I'm a baby boomer, in my generation, we want instant microwave stuff, right? And God doesn't always do that. What he's gonna do is he's gonna say yes, he's gonna say no, he's gonna say wait, and he might say yes, but it's not gonna be the way you expected it, that's for sure. All right, so those are options that, that God will take, all for the purpose of being conformed to the image of his son and that we would ultimately trust him in everything. And I love the picture of what it says next. He waited, he inclined to me and heard my cry. And that could be translated, he stooped down. Can you imagine your heavenly father? He's there, it says, I'll never leave you, nor will I ever forsake you. I believe that, I remind myself of that daily as well. But just imagine him stooping down because he personally cares about you. He drew me up from the pit of destructions out of the miry bog and set my feet upon a rock. He made my steps secure. He put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to God. Many will see and put their trust in the Lord. Now, when I read this, with the exception of waiting patiently for the Lord, the rest of it sounds a lot like when I became a Christian. This is actually a, the prophetic part. I believe this is more. When it talks about a new song, that means a new manifestation of God's grace. A new manifestation of God's grace. And of course, the ultimate manifestation of God's grace is in our Lord Jesus Christ, right? So now think about your conversion. Let's read this again. He inclined to me and heard my cry. He drew me up from the pit of destruction. He has drawn us out of our sin. Amen. We are all in sin. If you're not in Christ, you're in sin. Right. You're in this world. He took me out of the miry pit. Now, when I think of that, I can imagine there are people here today that are in a miry pit. Now, there's got to be people in here that are struggling with sin, struggling with bitterness. Maybe they've lost their enthrallment with God. Maybe they have lost the first love that they have. And so think about where you are in this. But also all of us at one time were stuck in a miry pit. So as we think about that, he raised up out, uh, us out of that. He set our feet upon a rock. Who's our rock? Jesus. And he made my steps secure. From that point on, 
I fell totally in love with Jesus when I became a Christian. I began to just walk and want and desire to do what he wanted me to do. It was, it was not because, it, it, it wasn't that I did that and then he heard me. No, he heard me. He raised me up. He put me on a rock, Jesus Christ, and then he walked with me with that yoke that we talked about every single day. He walks with me. I have to wake up and realize he's there and say, God, I want to go accord because we can fight against the yoke. I worked with teams of horses when I was a kid, and you can fight against that yoke. It doesn't get you a hole very far. All right. So he waited, and he waited, and he trusted the Lord. And now he turns it to all of us. It says, blessed is the man, blessed is the woman, blessed is the child, blessed who makes the Lord his trust. That trust means I am enthralled with you, God. I am looking to you. Who else can we trust in this world? All right. Okay, who, who do, blessed is the man who does not turn to the proud, to those who go astray after a lie. So in this world, when you have tough times, who do you go after? Generally what happens in, when you have a tough time in your world, there's two things that you're going to do. The first one, which is the one I hope you do, is you're, you grab a hold of him, basically. I see myself grabbing at him just around the waist saying, I, there's nothing else. It is you. I'm going closer to you, God, when this tough time comes. It's a choice. What's the other choice? Run away, Run away and look to others. Look to this world. What in this world is going to help you? Yep. The, other than the internal. Amen. Yeah. Amen. That's right. So think about that as you go through. Am I going to grab a hold of Jesus when this tough time, or tough time comes, or am I going to reject him, go my own way, figure it out, wallow in my self-pity? A lot of things will do, but I encourage you to trust and grab a hold of him. In 5, it says, Now you've multiplied, O Lord, your wondrous deeds and your thoughts towards us. So again, he's talking about all of us. None can compare with you. I will proclaim and tell of them, yet they are more than can be told. I'd like to show, I don't know if we saw the picture in Psalms 4, just about how blessed we are, I think, in our lives. I just wanted to show a picture of a couple that really blessed us. And you know, the thing, when you have hard times, the body of Christ is the one that God has put there, not only his word, not only his Holy Spirit, but the body of Christ helping us. So this is a quilt that Natalie, I guess along with Mary Beth, made for my wife, Linda. And that's Tommy and Mary Beth. Isn't that a beautiful quilt that they made for her because they knew that in this cancer clinic, when she was getting the chemicals that they were putting in her blood, that she would ultimately get very cold during that. And this it was a true, true blessing. And I can't tell you our life group that we had. What a wonderful life group. They would come and help feed us and check on us and pray for us. The day that she had surgery, two of them were down there to pray for us and to be with us. I encourage you, if you're not part of a life group, get part of a life group. That is where life really happens in our church. All right. So none can compare with you. I will proclaim and tell of them. Yet they are more than can be told. This is going back now we see who David's enthrallment is with. It's with God. And so he's reminding himself, just like you sing praise and worship, when you hear songs and praise and worship, I encourage you in those tough times to listen to that music. Because what it's doing is it's telling you who he is. It's reminding yourself that you can be enthralled with Jesus. 
All right, let's go to Psalms 46 through 8. And this is, in my mind, was the main reason I wanted to originally talk about this, because it is a prophetic verse. And it talks about now that we have that enthrallment, now that we know who he is, what does that mean? Where, what are we supposed to do? And that's what we're going to talk about here. This is some wisdom literature mixed in to this is what prof, prophetic uh, psalms that are all mixed together to help us better understand what do we do now that we are now enthralled with him as we walk out our lives. And this is Psalms 40, verse 6. It says, In sacrifice and offering you have not delighted, but you have given me an open ear. Burn offerings and sin offerings you have not required. Then I said, Behold, I have come. In the scroll of the book it is written of me, I delight to do your will, O my God. Your law is within my heart. So that part there that it talks about with respect to he has opened my ears in verse 6. That, that actually has a deeper meaning called dug out my ears. So what came to mind when I read that is I remember my mom when I was a little kid and she would want to clean out my ears. So she would get, get alcohol and she would get an ear swab and guess what she would do? She would say, come on up here. She put her arm around me. She grabbed one ear, one, one hand by this ear, one hand by the ear, yep, and then she would start, because she knew if I pulled away, it would hurt, right? So she started digging away. She had my full attention. I was not going to move at that point, and, and there was, it was amazing what was there, but, you know, so, <laughs> and so that's one way to talk about this. It got my attention, and when I became a Christian at 20, 27, you know, I knew there was a God. I believe there was a God, but I never accepted him as my Lord and Savior. I never really understood what Jesus had done for me on the cross. I didn't know that he came on purpose to die personally for me. And at that moment, that was like my ears being dug out. I all of a sudden had my full attention on him. Really, really cool that I now, then from that point on, that's when I fell in love with him and I wanted to walk with him all the days of my life. Now, this is prophetic, as I said. So we're going to look at another verse. And if you want to take a minute to just turn there, but keep your hand on, on 40, is Hebrews 10, verses 4 through 10. And the reason this is important is because this is Jesus. This is talking about Jesus. And we're going to see something very similar. But they're going to change something in the mix that I think adds to what they're really talking about when they're talking about following the will of God. It says, it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. So this is in 10, 4 through 10. It's impossible for that to take away sins. Consequently, when Christ came into the world, he said, sacrifices and offerings you did not desire, but a body, instead of ears you have opened, but a body you have prepared for me. In bird offerings and sin offerings you took no pleasure. Then I said, behold, I have come to do your will, O God, and it is written of me in the scroll of the book. And by that, in verse 10, and by that we will have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. Wow, open ears, body. What, what's the difference? Well, this is going from Hebrew to Greek in the translation. And they felt, I gather, that when we went dug out your ears and translated it to the Greek, it's kind of like an example that was given to me is that if we say, I have a cat in my throat, we don't really understand that. But in France, they know that what that means. That's what, how they say it. If we told them, I have a frog in my throat, they wouldn't 
they'd say that's really weird. Okay, so it's that same. When there's a translation, they felt like there's going to be something lost in the meaning as we went from talking about my ears have been dug out versus, I guess they didn't have my mom, but my ears dug out versus a body you have given me. What, what's going on here? Well, when you become a Christian, you are giving him your whole body. Two meanings here, your whole body, every part of your being. You're not given just a little smidgen on Sunday, okay, or some ritual that you like to think you're doing it. I'm doing something for God. You're not doing anything for God. You're doing it to remind you who, how wonderful he is. Okay, the other part is ultimately Jesus Christ gave his body for us on the cross. Isn't that cool? I thought that was one of the coolest things when I read that and saw how the Old Testament and the New Testament, there's a thread that runs through it. It's the story of Jesus Christ. All right, well, what is the will of God? Okay, well, let, I, I, and how, why do we do that? I, well, let's look to Jesus. And on John 14, 31, it says, I do as the Father has commanded me so that the world may know that I love the Father. What is Jesus' motivation? This is the kind of most beautiful thing. You know, we say a lot of times, Jesus loves you. He does. He loves you with all, all more than you could ever, ever imagine. But ultimately, the first, he loves the Father. And if we read in John 17, 24 through 25, it talks about how the Father loves him. And he does the will of the Father because of his immense and unbelievable love that he has for the Father. So that will, so what does that mean for us? What, what, what are we supposed to do after we become Christians? What does it mean for us to give our whole lives to him? It means to follow the will of God. He doesn't want sacrifices like, hey, I'm going to give so much money. I mean, that's part of living a Christian life. It's out of the out, out, overflow of our life. But he wants you to be obedient to what he is calling you to do. And that is to become more like Jesus, right? Ultimately. Okay. In verse uh, 40, verse 9, uh, it says, I have told the glad news of deliverance in the congregation. Behold, I have not restrained my lips, as you know. I have not hidden your deliverance within my heart. I have spoken of your faithfulness and salvation. I have not concealed your steadfast love and your faithfulness from the great congregation. So as you think about that and you continue to even read, as you look at 11, it says, As for you, O Lord, you will not restrain your mercies from me. Your steadfast love and your faithfulness will ever preserve me. So in this, as we go forth in life, the world would tell you to be quiet. They don't talk about Jesus. Okay, when you're with, just to be honest, let's be honest. When you're with people and they talk about their trouble and you really know Jesus, or do you, at least for a long time and even probably today, there are times when I have a hard time saying, Jesus is your answer. Yeah. We're always looking for this and some way to kind of, but they, he didn't restrain his lips. The world would tell you, don't tell about your enthrallment with God. They don't want to hear it. We should do it all the more because of that. Okay, so we now find him in some lament. If you look at verse 12, it says, For evils, another translation is troubles, have encompassed me beyond number. My iniquities have overtaken me and I cannot see. They are more than the hairs on my head. So something has transpired. He has said, though, just before that, you're my source, God. His mind is focused on him. If you read 13, it says, but be, uh, be pleased, O Lord, to deliver me. O Lord, make haste 
to help me. So who did he turn to? He didn't turn away. He didn't go to somebody else. He turned to God with his trouble. Let those be put to shame and disappointed altogether who seek to snatch away my life. Let those be turned back and brought to dishonor who delight in my hurt. Let those be appalled because of their shame who say to me, aha, aha, that's the world saying, you can't be enthralled with that God. Why would you be enthralled with that? Your wife has cancer. Why even go there? That's not, imagine if you are still saying, no, I'm gonna trust in him. He is it. Doesn't that make a statement to the world, not just to, and to the body of believers, right? But the world would tell us, don't talk about enthrallment and don't be enthralled. And we have to all the more say, no, he is my ultimate source and I'm going to rest in him. And I know I have ultimate rest if I don't, regardless of what he does. Then he final, final part is, and I guess if we can have the praise team come up and we'll conclude with this. It says, but may all who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. May those who love your salvation say continually, great is the Lord. As for me, I am poor and needy, but the Lord takes thought of me. You are my help. You are my deliverer. Do not delay, oh my God. So as we think about that, we're back to the journey with Linda. You know, Linda, she, the good news is that we're beyond all of her treatments with the exception of medicine that she has to take on a daily and monthly basis. Uh, and she has had scans since. They have told her that there's a, a likelihood that this may come back. So every time she has a scan, we're praying, we're wondering, God, what, what, do you, what is that scan going to say? We're trusting that regardless, we're praying that we will rest in him every step of the way. The good news is that the scans are all clear up today. So praise God. And we're, we're praying for her supernatural sustainment in that. But I believe that as a result of seeing that, and being through the last two years of our life, I would tell you that my faith in God is stronger than ever, and she would tell you the same. My understanding of what God's purpose in my life is stronger than it ever was, and that my ultimate rest in Him and my knowledge that that is where I have to keep my life, is resting in Him, is where I must keep myself. And of course, his Holy Spirit is guiding me and leading me throughout that whole process. And we have seen the Holy Spirit move in some really tremendous ways through the people that ministered to us. We've seen people, uh, just even praise reports that Linda, one thing that didn't happen that happens a lot is not being nauseated throughout the, the chemotherapy. And that was very, very little. And so there are praise reports here and there throughout that whole thing that we can talk to God and say, thank you, God. Ultimately, we look back and say, God, yes, you brought us through that. And now when we have this other trouble, like he talked about, we have a foundation yes. that we can go to point back and say, uh-uh, no, God did it. I trust him. Regardless of what my think the outcome should be and what happens, I'm going to trust you regardless, Lord. And so in this room... I would imagine if we could have the prayer team come up and those that are life group leaders come up. Because in this room, I would imagine that there are people that are finding themselves right now in a miry bog. You know, maybe you've been captivated by sin in your life and you need prayer to help you get through that. Maybe you've been consumed by self-absorption where you're just basically a pity party 
bitter against God, bitter against others, bitter against the world. And you're covered up in that. Maybe you have lost your first love and you're not hearing from God and you haven't really been enthralled with God for a long time. Maybe you've never had a new song in your heart. That new song where you are in your sins today and because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross and died for you, he died for you. He rose again and that all who believe in him can have everlasting life, can have the rest that I talked about, the peace that goes beyond understanding. Maybe you've never had that and I want to ask you to come forward and get prayer for that. So you can have that new song, that new manifestation of God's grace in your life. Let's pray. Oh Lord, oh Lord my God, thank you for your songs. Your songs that are filled with just real raw emotions, Lord. Bewilderment, heartache, wondering why, Lord. They're so honest. Help us be honest today in our hearts and our minds. Help us really see who you are and how wonderful and how we can trust you. Help us see where we are in our relationship with you, Father. Help us bring those two things together. Help us reignite that enthrallment that we have with you, God. Help us understand that Jesus is the answer and help us all have that new song in our hearts. I pray for a manifestation of grace in the hearts and minds, the wills and the emotions of every person here. And ultimately, Lord, help us be conformed to the image of your son, Jesus Christ, and help us enter into that rest. Help us know that as we have that faith in Christ, we are now in your rest. In the name of our Lord and our Savior, the ever-living God, the creator of the heavens and the earth, we pray, amen.